Good morning, Riverside, San Bernardino, Inland Empire, and listeners around the world. Welcome to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. I'm your host, Angeline Marie. Thanks for taking the time to join us this Sunday morning. We're broadcasting on our flagship station, KCAA 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. If you're located in the Southern California Inland Empire, you'll find us on KCAA 1050 on the AM dial. And if not, you can find us streaming on kcaaradio.com or talkstreamlive.com. And also you can find podcasts posted after the show on kcaaradio.com to listen at your leisure. Also, don't forget you can learn more about our show at trueseekersradioshow.com. Well, today we'll be touching on a subject that sounds so sinister, sort of like a story that you might hear on Coast to Coast with George Norrie. It sounds so unbelievable. What would you do if a friend or a family member came to you and said they were hearing voices in their head or in their home when no one else was around? And these voices knew exactly what they were doing or thinking. Or they noticed that things in their home were being moved around or missing and appearing and disappearing. Well, today's guest experienced this and it's taken him on a journey he never expected in electronic harassment and surveillance. My guest is Dr. John Hall and he's here to tell us his story and discuss a book he's written on the subject called A New Breed Satellite Terrorism in America. Dr. John Hall, MD, graduated from the University of Texas in San Antonio with a Bachelor of Science degree in biology. He attended medical school at the University of North Texas Health Science Center and completed his residency at the Western Reserve Care System in Youngstown, Ohio. He currently practices anesthesiology and pain management in Texas, and he's a member of the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons. He's also active in the Mind Science Foundation. And his book is compiled a combination of years of research and firsthand experience. And he's trying to educate the public about satellite surveillance and the best defense against loss of privacy and basic human rights. And Dr. Hall has treated numerous patients that have complained of various types of electronic harassment, which we will talk about today. So let's welcome Dr. John Hall. How are you today, Dr. Hall? Good, Angeline. Thanks for having me on. I know this is a a creepy topic to to bring up on our radio show. Well, listen, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to educate me and the listeners on this topic. First, Dr. Hall, uh, before we get started, could you give us a brief definition of just what is satellite terrorism or or electronic harassment? Well, kind of a a short course on it, just to to be brief, would be someone that usually initially notices a group of individuals unknown to them stalking them. Um, Not soon or soon after into the stalking, usually they'll notice ringing in the ears or tinnitus. Uh, slowly the tinnitus will degrade down to actually hearing voice patterning within the tinnitus or in vibrations around them, such as a ceiling fan or a vent fan or running water. And then over time, slowly that voice patterning, um, which initially sounds like voices on an AM radio that's slightly out of tune, will go ahead and tune in, and then these victims will hear the voices of the perpetrators that are actually watching and describing what they're doing, where, they, where they're where they at in a room, what their plans are. Um, and believe it or not, that's followed by a, a type of directed energy attack where not only are they hearing their perpetrators, but they're being attacked with various forms of directed energy, which may cause you know, body twitching, uh, severe heart rates that uh, go up and down, um, burning of the skin, burning of the eyes, um, and along with break-ins into the home, um, moving things around, taking things apart, never stealing anything because that will usually draw a, a burglary charge, but just psychologic warfare to let them know that you're completely inundated or what we call full-spectrum surveillance. So, Dr. Halt, how did you get involved in this topic of uh, satellite surveillance harassment and, and what eventually led to the writing of your book? 
Well, certainly not my choice, Angeline. I'm going to be honest with you there. I mean, I, I never really thought I would be the spearhead to have a movement against this, but I was um, dating a girl who um, became a victim of this technology. He had, you know, was completely psychologically normal, wasn't on drugs, um, had no reason to believe there was anything medically wrong with her. When she started noticing that um, she was hearing voices and noticed that she was being followed, and I noticed she was being followed by people. We lived quite a distance apart, and even on weeknights when there's no traffic, I would notice people following me to and from her home. Um, took the plate numbers down, had the plate numbers ran, turned out to be a private investigative group owned by a former FBI fraud agent. Um, who has access to some technology that um, he probably shouldn't have access to or has been allowed to have access to experimentally. And um, began hearing voices, and, and even I had noticed that the, her place was getting broken into. Once they were identified, then they began to target me uh, with break-ins, um, disabling my vehicles. Uh, at, at one occasion, they got as bad as firing bullets through the bedroom of my home. So um, when we turned to the police, and the police could really offer no help. Uh, at that time, Texas stalking laws were such that you had to prove injury before you could get a restraining order. And actually several law enforcement agencies said, well, you know, this guy's former FBI. He's a private investigator. He stalks people for a living. That's what he does. You can't do anything about it. Um, at its worst point, they began breaking into her house, um, putting Rohypnol, uh, which is the, the date-rape drug, into her bottled water and essentially um, using her in the form of sexual slavery. Um, and that's when um, she actually had her name changed uh, and was moved to another area to try to at least avoid the hands-on stalking and the sexual assaults. And when I saw that we could get no help from law enforcement, and, and I have a very good working relationship with SAPD, I mean, they had no problem believing me when I came to them with this. The problem was being able to bring people to trial and prove this technology exists. And um, the police were forthright in telling me that it's it's not not what not what you know, but what you can prove in court. Mm -hmm. So uh, the next best thing was to write the book. In doing research, I found there are, there are thousands of other people experiencing the same type of uh, victimization. So I thought, you know, I'll write this book as crazy as it sounds, and at least people will see that there is somebody with, you know, some letters behind their name and hopefully a little bit of credibility um, that's experiencing the same thing. And um, the whole point of the book was to not only expose it, but to, you know, make sure that people that are being victimized this way can read it and see that there is someone out there that believes them. And it's done wonders um, on that front. I mean, I've had a lot of people call or email and say, you know what, my son and my daughter and my wife or my husband have been going through this for years, and we assumed they were mentally ill, and now we understand that they were actually being victimized. So um, it's done, it's really done its job there. Well, Dr. Hall, we have a couple more minutes till the break. Before we get there, could you just tell us, Did you, you said it was an investigative firm. Did you ever find out if someone hired them, who it might have been, and what was the reasoning that they went after your girlfriend? Did you ever find that? Well, yeah, uh, yes, I did. That's, um, or at least I, as, as far as I know, I, I think I know, there was another physician that I did anesthesia for in San Antonio who, unbeknownst to me, had um, become attracted to her, sexually attracted to her. Um, and apparently she wasn't interested and was quite a bit younger than him. And the private investigator happens to be a patient and a friend of this particular surgeon. Um, this guy actually kind of hires this type of surveillance out for, um, he's, he, well, let's put it this way. He's the go-to guy you go to. If you have a competitor that you want to draw a delusional or schizophrenic diagnosis on to get rid of them as a, a competitor, whether that's in medicine or in business. Um, and he used him particularly to victimize her sexually. Um, I think assuming that I wouldn't know what the technology is or get it ever figured out, um, once I did have their identities, uh, then the, more of the assault on me was physical, um, break-ins, uh, stalking, 
uh, not so much electronic, although I did get some of the electronic harassment as well. Okay. Well, Dr. Hall, we'll go ahead and we'll take a break here. Listeners, our guest today is Dr. John Hall, MD, author of A New Breed Satellite Terrorism in America. We'll take a break. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. These are the sounds of someone taking their eyes off the road. Texting while driving is more than distracting. It's dangerous. Do yourself a favor. Do us all a favor. When you're on the road, stay off the phone. A message from CTIA, America's wireless companies, and the National Safety Council. Each year, millions of people fall for dangerous fad diets and bogus weight loss products. Here's how to separate facts from fad. This is registered dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics with your Eating Right Minute. Fad diets give lots of promises and few results. Some are even dangerous. Remember these warning signs. A guarantee of rapid weight loss is a red flag. For long-term success, aim to lose about one pound per week. Never follow a diet that bans an entire food group or one that allows you to only eat from one group. Finally, there is no proof that eating specific foods at certain times of the day will help with weight loss. To create an eating plan just for you, see a registered dietitian and visit www.eatright.org. Encouraging you to eat right, I'm registered dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins with the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. Today, our guest is Dr. John Hall, author of A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America, and we're discussing electronic harassment and surveillance. Dr. Hall, before we uh, went on break, I asked you about other, you said you got involved with other victims. So your experience led to helping other victims. Now, in those cases, you said in your case, you thought it was a business associate. But in those cases, do you, what are some of the uh, examples of people who, who harasses them and why? What are their, what are um, their experiences with this? You know, that's the odd thing, Angelina. There's no, um, there's no set um, profile for a victim. Um, some of them are whistleblowers. I mean, there's a lot of people that uh, have had government positions that have come out against the government one way or another and have wound up victimized. But more than not, if you if you look at the demographics of the, the victims, um, there's no common denominator. I mean, most of them are professional people. Um, you know, with higher education that were functioning normally, no psychological illnesses, uh, help holding good jobs. Um, the only statistics that we have that have been actually gathered by Freedom from Covert Surveillance and Harassment, a human rights organization uh, that deals with some of the victims, is that um, majority of the victims are female, um, between 35 and, and 65. Um, majority of them are complaining about sexual assault along with the electronic harassment. And most of them have no clue as to uh, why they've been targeted. Most of them aren't political activists. Uh, I would imagine, at least in the dealings that I've had with, you know, probably five or 6,000 victims now, uh, most of them don't have um, any political radicalism or activism in them at all. 
Um, it truly does seem to be um, random in such a way that it, for most of us in the medical field, there are several of us that are working against this that are medical doctors, it appears to be experimental. And there's groups in every major city that are allowed to have this technology and apparently victimize uh, whomever for whatever reason they see fit carte blanche. Uh, and when you crunch all the numbers nationwide or globally, um, you end up with a pretty good random mix at the top for the appropriate agencies that are actually looking at the data to see how well this works as far as controlling an individual. So, Dr. Hall, do you think that the government is letting certain parties have access to this or are certain parties hijacking, or is it both, hijacking the technology? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, the majority of it, I think, is the government has allowed uh, certain groups, probably uh, I would imagine it's mostly going to be groups that are former FBI or former CIA people. Um, you know, there's a lot of government contractors now, you know, with top-secret clearances. More, There's actually more contractors now with top-secret clearances than there are people who actually are paid by the government with top-secret clearances for the first time in history. So, I mean, there are people out there with access to this technology, and kind of like the NSA stuff that's coming out right now. You know, anytime you have an individual sitting behind a computer that has power to read your emails, read your text, read your, um, your listen to your phone call, or use technology that's meant to be mind-altering technology, there's going to be room for abuse. Uh, there's going to be the people that are, you know, using it strictly, you know, adhering to the rules of, of its use, and there's going to be ones that are going to use it for their own device. And um, um, I know in one of my contacts within the CIA, as soon as this started happening, I, you know, got a hold of him and, and said, you know, I know plenty about this technology, but has it been commercialized where anybody can hire this done? And his exact words were, to me were, no, it's not. It's still a weapon of war for use abroad only but it seems to be affecting about 300,000 people in the United States. So um, the only thing I can figure is based on um, history. You know, we've looked at ways to control the human mind um, through the CIA and the NSA for, and the DOD, for that matter, for a year since the 50s. Um, now that we have, you know, digital technology, satellite technology, HARP, um, ways to do it remotely, it's you know taken the studies out of the lab and into society and in the home. We're now just you know existing in society or being in your home um, can make you a guinea pig. Dr. Hall, in your book, it it appeared that this happened over a period of years. Is that correct? In your own experience? Yeah, this you know we kind of I guess first noticed it about 2002. 2003 and you know it's so subtle when it first starts that you know nobody wants to cry wolf to the police and go to the police and say you know I think I'm being stalked until you're really sure I mean because it's not uncommon especially you know San Antonio is a big city but the area where I live and the area where she lived were kind of small suburbs of San Antonio so to see the same vehicles every day you know could possibly be people who live around you that are you know, going to work or you're using the same shopping centers that you may use. Um, but this group, uh, when this happens, it's not surveillance from a distance. I mean, eventually they get very brazen. Um, so then you know you're actually being stalked. I mean, it's pulling up next to you and making finger gestures at you that are crude. Um, one car on your bumper, uh, one car slowing down in front of you to slow you down or trap you between two vehicles or um, outright sitting in your driveway or sitting on the street directly in front of your house and, you know, with some one or two people in it that are watching you come and go. Um, especially in Texas, the way the privacy laws were at that time, you had to prove injury to get a restraining order from someone. And as far as private investigators that are licensed by the state, as long as they're not breaking into your house allegedly or uh, are not on your property, they can sit on the curb and watch your house from the street um, 24-7 if they want to. That's that's perfectly fine and perfectly legal in Texas. Well, in your book, I mean, some of the things your girlfriend experienced were so tragic, and you wouldn't have had to, I mean, if that had happened to me, I'd have, I'd have been out of there. How come she didn't up and move? I don't understand why she stayed as long as she did. 
Well, in the, when the sexual assault part started, she was being drugged pretty heavily with rohypnol. As we found out, they were um, had not only bought condos on either side of her um, to watch her and um, control her from, but we're putting rohypnol in her bottled water and um, several other items that we found. The problem with her is even though she kind of knew in the back of her head something was going on, because she's the one that came to me first and said, "We're, you know, were you over here? I mean, we're going, weren't you in my house yesterday with you know, like, you know, no, we live an hour apart." You know, I wasn't there, and she was like, well, I woke up, and I felt like we had been sexually active, and the doors were all open, and and that's when she kind of started noticing it, and it, at one point thought she was having nightmares of being raped, when in reality she was being drugged with rohypnol mm-hmm. and being raped. Mm-hmm. So once once I could convince her that these weren't nightmares, that, you know, um, and actually the convincing was being mostly done by her gynecologist when you know she turned up with a cervical laceration and a bunch of um, vaginal tears. Mm-hmm. Um, then she, you know, finally came to the conclusion that you know I was right and that this wasn't just the effects from a single glass of wine before she went to bed or you know a nightmare. So, but it did take a while for that convincing because this is such a weird thing the way this technology works. It's real easy to to look for reasons for it to be some, something else, especially once you turn to the police once or twice and they won't help you, mm-hmm. um, or even worse yet, recommend you to a psychiatrist who's going you know, to further victimize you. Then um, you know you have to start looking at ways to control it yourself. And luckily, she had um, parents that eventually, over time, I was able to convince that you know she needed to be you know gotten out of here. Uh, and had a stepfather uh, who was pretty high up in the DOD who helped facilitate that, too. And you say sometimes it's not just easy to up and move. I mean, you can move, but they can still get at you, correct? No, yeah. The only the move was strictly to get her away from the group here that was sexually assaulting her. You You can't move and get away from the electronic harassment part. Okay. And... Um, the, as far as electronic harassment, I think you had a little story in the book about a guy who had a heart attack, that they caused him to have a heart attack. Can you talk about that? Sure. Uh, that actually um, was a three of the girls that were working in my uh, medical practice at the time began hearing their spirit guides talk to them through their computers. And you know, as a whole, I mean, I had a close a close set of friends who kind of knew this was going on, who I was um, had confided in, but for the most part tried to keep it out of the office. I was in a group with other physicians at the time. So when these girls started complaining that their spirit guys were talking to them through their computers, and, you know, and just so your listeners know, um, if you are being targeted by this technology, they can they can broadcast to your speakers, they can broadcast through the walls, they can broadcast through anything that vibrates. And um, a, a common ploy is to go for the you know, that were angels or were spirit guides initially, um, and that's what makes it hard to distinguish from schizophrenia. But you know these girls again, no history of hearing things or anything before thought that it was kind of neat that all of a sudden they're hearing their spirit guides and a lot of people who are, you know, fairly, you know, maybe not well-versed in the Bible but consider themselves Christians will will usually fall for that. I've had a lot of victims call me and say, well, I thought I had been, had become a prophet and, you know, I was hearing, they said they were angels. So they believed it at first until their um, spirit guide started asking them to perform sex acts. Uh, and then I think they came to the realization pretty quick that this was harassment and not something spiritual. But one of the girls that worked in the office, um, her father lived uh, in a suburb outside of San Antonio. So not only was she hearing her spirit guide talking to her through the computer, but she came home one evening uh, and her father had uh, was watching TV and Woke up the family at 2 in the morning saying the devil's in the room. You know, can't you guys hear him? I can hear him. Which is the way this works. It is frequency specific to the individual they're messing with. And no one else in the room will hear it. And, you know, of course, everybody said, no, we don't hear it. And he said, well, the devil's telling me this is last night on earth, that I'm going to die tonight. And, you know, he's in the room. Why can't you people hear him? Um, of course, they continued to deny hearing him, and eventually he, he did die of a heart attack that night. So. Wow. 
Okay, doctor, we're going to take a break. Listeners, my guest today is Dr. John Hall, author of A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. We're discussing electronic harassment. You're listening to the Truth Seekers radio show. take comfort in God's word on a daily basis. But what about the ones who cannot hear these precious words of truth? Where would I find hope? Imagine God's word in the tongue of those who thirst for the same hope you enjoy on a daily basis. You can help them experience the same blessings you take for granted. This book is like a GPS system. I turn to it to chart my course as I begin each new day. Help someone hear God's word for the first time by becoming a Wycliffe Associates volunteer and take part in the goal of Vision 2025, helping start a Bible translation in every language that needs one by the year 2025. Find out more by calling 800-THE-WORD. Who will show me the way? Make a difference and help share the hope of God's living word. Call 1-800-THE-WORD. That's 800-843-9673. Or go to our website at WycliffeAssociates.org and find out how you can become a Wycliffe Associates volunteer. Don't be stupid with your skin. It's the only skin you're in. Know what's good and bad to do. Find the right and wrong for you. It's time learn what it's about cause indoor tanning is out uv lamps from a tanning bed they can turn your skin beet red wrinkles come from the uv light and eight spots make you go frightful sight with uv light it gets worse skin cancer is a wicked curse don't be the one that's tanning dead Use your brain, use your head, it's time you learn what it's about. Cause indoor tanning is out. A message from the American Academy of Dermatology. Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers radio show. Today, our guest is Dr. John Hall, author of A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America, and we're discussing electronic harassment and surveillance. Dr. Hall, before we continue, would you like to give us your website address, your contact information, or tell the listeners how they can get your book? Uh, Sure. Actually, my website is www.satweaponssatweapons.com. Uh, and the book's available actually by order at Barnes and Nobles, um, on Amazon, or at the website. Okay. In your book, you talk about something called voice to skull technology. Can you t- tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, voice to skull technology is um, kind of a slang term, at least used among victims. Um, it's a form of synthetic telepathy. Uh, which, um, well, there's actually two ways to do it. One is direct synthetic telepathy, and these are the people who truly are hearing the voices in their head. That's been worked on for a long time, and for listeners who don't believe that exists, we've already used that in the field of war in um, De- uh, Operation Desert Storm. Um, there's several different versions of it. Um, it actually puts, you know, picks out a person specifically, or a group of people specifically to put uh, communications into the head uh, that no one else can hear. And, um, you know, kind of some of the lower end forms of it that were in the use in in the past is ultrasonic hearing or um, S-Quad, which stands for Silent Sound Spread Spectrum. And that's the one that was actually used in Operation Desert Storm. You know, you may remember there was... I think 150 Marines had 1,500 Iraqi soldiers bow down on their knees and lay down their weapons after hearing Allah tell them to surrender in their head. And that's been well publicized that it was used in that theater. So 
uh, for any doubters that doubt that this technology has been worked on, um, you know, to that uh, advanced stage, it's been around a while. And and that's one of the most disconcerting things to the victim is, you know, they're well aware of what's going on with them because their perpetrators are actually telling them when they attack them or when they follow them that, you know, well, you know, tomorrow when you go to work, we'll be behind you and there all day. And, you know, they're hearing this in their heads or they're hearing this uh, in their surroundings. So um, that's probably one of the most damning um, technologies being used on the victims because in our culture, not many people know about this type of technology, and as a rule, we've all been trained to think that, well, if somebody's hearing voices, they're obviously schizophrenic or delusional. Um, and as soon as they confide in a family member or a loved one, usually a psychiatrist is the first recommendation, they're not going to look up um, any of the information on this or delve into any of the studies that have been done on it. They're going to fit you within the criteria of the dsm four, which is to give you a mental diagnosis put you on some strong medications, which aren't going to help because you're still going to be victimized by it. Uh, and then at that point, um, the victim is then even further victimized by a psychiatrist unwittingly. I mean, I, I don't think the psychiatrists are part of the issue, at least most of them are, but mostly ignorant of the technology uh, and doing what they do, which is diagnose you. And um, as much as we've tried to mainstream mental illness in this country with you know, cute little commercials and things. Um, once you're diagnosed as mentally ill, you usually are relatively shunned uh, from the workplace and from a lot of your family members. Mm -hmm. So that, beca that becomes a second victimization in most instances. Um, synthetic telepathy is actually uh, currently being worked on at the University of California at Irvine and has been worked on by Stanford Research uh, there in California before, which may be one of the reasons that we see the majority of the victims coming out of California now, possibly. Um, I would say I probably hear from three or four new victims a week on the website, and I would say probably 80 to 90 percent of those are coming out of California now. You know, your state's being hit very hard mm -hmm. with this technology experimentally. I don't know if you've ever ran across it before or any complaints of it, but um, uh, an interesting is um, uh, in Palm Springs, there's an activist group there that's um, made up of mostly gay men that seems to be targeting, you know, at least their targeting seems to be part of a hate crime using the technology. And there's 60 men there um, not only being attacked by directed energy, but they're all hearing the same voice, a female voice that goes by the name Lisa. Um, you know, if you have one or two people you know, in Palm Springs that are hearing a voice, you, know, you can kind of write that off as possibly mental illness. But when it's 60 people and they're all hearing the same voice, that's experimentation until proven otherwise. Right. How do your peers feel about this? I mean, I mean, do they believe it or are they skeptical? Do they respect that you're, you know, working to help others? How is that being accepted? Well, um, Ironic you should ask that today because of everything that's come out about the NSA, and there's more coming out about the NSA, by the way. That was what we know now is, I think, two documents that um, this guy released that uh, came forward out of the NSA. I think he's going to be releasing a lot more stuff. But uh, I'm in a group of physicians, a group of 14 doctors, and I would say half of them believe that this technology exists completely. At least they believe in it enough that they're scared of it happening to them. Um, and there's probably the other half that that aren't real sure what to think. I mean, they've worked with me long enough. I've been in practice for 20 years, so they know I'm not crazy, but they're, they may are not too sure about the technology. And usually the question is, well, most of these people that are claiming to be victims are nobodies. You know, they're not the president. They're not the vice president. They're not the head of GE. You know, why are they being, why would they be the ones for the government to spend this kind of money, you know, to victimize? And the answer is really simple on that, is if you look back historically at all the mind control research that started since MKUltra, they don't victimize the people that have the political or financial you know, um, power to do something about it. They victimize the common people um, because they're easier to victimize. Um, there's more of them, and they don't have the political ability to, to go to the top and get anything changed. Um, you know, typically... You know, the, the public, 
has been used experimentally in this country by our government since we've had a government. And, and actually, my second book coming out is called Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control, and I go through an entire chapter of demonstrating to the reader that there are no safeguards against the government experimenting on the public here. None at all, actually. You know, you hear stories of people being chipped, and they say they don't know how they got chipped. They're at the, they go to the doctor, and the doctor finds this chip. How do you explain that? And also, do they need a chip to be controlled? Uh, no, you don't actually need a chip to do this. It's probably worthwhile to be scanned for one to make sure you're not chipped. Uh, the only way to chip somebody is um, if it's a standard um, tracking chip um, that we already know about. That goes into a pretty large harpoon of a syringe. Um, it's actually a 10-gauge a syringe that that chip goes in through. Um, usually those people that you know we have found chips in will give you a history of um, having missed time. You know, they were obviously drugged at a bar, um, drugged like my... Uh, my ex-fiance was in, in water or food in their home where someone can break in or get into their car with them or, or get them away from the bar uh, to put this harpoon in the back of their arm or the back of their shoulder uh, to put the chip in. Um, when I have victims that, that give no history of having lost any time, um, I usually are suspecting a chip is is pretty low. Um but if you look at Robert Duncan, is another he's a PhD, another doctor that's actually written on this topic, and he actually worked on some of these projects for the government, uh, claims that you don't have to be chipped, that the human brain can be uploaded and downloaded like a computer. And that is how it's done. And that um, the people who are really convinced that they're chipped and that aren't, that that's a red herring, that or a belief system that's being instilled into them so they drain their finances looking for something that's not there. Mm -hmm. What advice uh, would you give to someone if they suspect that maybe they're a victim of electronic harassment or surveillance? I mean, what's the first step they can do? And then how would you help? How would you tell someone to, to try to cope with this just, you know, daily in their daily life? Well, my advice to people is that if you can if you can notice the stalking early on and that's for any of your listeners whether they believe this story or about this technology or not if you notice somebody that's not a, 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 a ex-loved one or an ex-girlfriend or a, an ex-husband or girl or wife following you if you know strangers following you get the plate numbers go to the police get some identities, stop the, well, it's at the stalking phase because this comes in phases and it starts with stalking. Um, and the stalking, we're thinking that they're doing that so they can GPS you from a distance until they get a read on your EEG. The rest of this is done by identifying your brain waves. So your chance to stop it is during the stalking phase. Once the stalking stops and you're left with nothing but electronic harassment, then you're dealing with technology that can't be proven or disproven. Um, and nothing tangible you can point to to law enforcement that's going on with you because this, and these are not lethal weapons that are being used. They're not meant to kill necessarily uh, and not, not meant to not leave any damage once they turn them off, kind of like the millimeter wave weapon and microwave weapons being used by DOD currently. But my advice is to identify the stalkers when you have the chance so you know who's doing it. Um, go online, you know, whether it's my website, there's several other uh, help groups. I'm a member of um, ISA Act, which is out of Sacramento, which is the um, um, international center um, against abuse of covert technologies. Uh, there's Cheryl Welsh's mindjustice.org. Educate yourself. If you have to talk to somebody, talk to people that already know about this. Don't try to convince family members. Uh, that won't believe you um, because, like I said, getting getting yourself in front of a psychiatrist is going to lead to more problems once you're diagnosed with an illness. Uh, and stick to talking to people who already know about this and are working against it and, uh, and become an activist uh, with people that are already activists. But um, the, the worst thing that I see is a lot of the um, victims will, you know, try really convincing their family members or a psychiatrist that this you know, technology exists that are 
not quite uh, don't quite have a handle on the technology well enough to do so, mm-hmm. and that ends up victimizing them further. So, okay. All right, Dr. Hall, we're going to take our last break. Listeners, our guest today is Dr. John Hall, author of A New Breed Satellite Terrorism in America, and we're discussing electronic harassment and surveillance. We'll be back right after these messages. Antioxidants, you've heard of them, but do you know what they're good for or where to get them? This is Sylvia Escott Stump of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Antioxidants, they destroy the free radicals that cause cellular damage, and eating foods that are rich in antioxidants may help prevent cancer and heart disease. These foods include red wine in addition to grape juice, whole grain pasta, eggs, seafood, and canned beans, brightly colored vegetables, carrots, squash, broccoli, all the peppers, sweet potatoes, tomatoes, and kale are other tasty sources. And for those of you with a sweet tooth, good news. Honey, brown sugar, and maple syrup, in addition to fruits like blueberries, cantaloupe, peaches, and strawberries, also contain significant levels of antioxidants. Encouraging you to eat right, I'm registered dietitian Sylvia Escott Stump with the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. For every translator on the field, we need at least two volunteers. There's a role for you in the Ministry of Bible Translation. If you're willing, you can help. On a computer, sewing machine, car, on a ladder, there's work you can do. Wycliffe Associates volunteers help build the translation training centers, provide systems for clean water, do office work, and share the unquenchable Word of God to those who desperately seek eternal life. I want to know about Him. Please help me find Him. Learn how you can become a Wycliffe Associates volunteer and take part in the goal of Vision 2025, helping start a Bible translation in every language that needs one by the year 2025. Call 800-THE-WORD. Would I do this again? In a heartbeat. If God is calling you to make a difference, call us at 1-800-THE-WORD. That's 800-843-9673. Or go to our website at WycliffeAssociates.org and find out how you can become a Wycliffe Associates volunteer. Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers radio show. Today, our guest is Dr. John Hall, author of A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America, and we're discussing electronic harassment. And Dr. Hall, before we do our last segment, would you one more time give your uh, your uh, website address and how the listeners can get your book? Sure. It's uh, www.satweapons.com. Uh, and Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, or the book can be ordered directly from the publisher on the website. Uh, and I'd like to thank you, Angeline, for you know for take, doing this story too. I know this there's some crazy sounding stuff, um, but public awareness right now with this type of technology, especially with the NSA finally coming forward with um, the tip of the iceberg of what they actually have the capability to do. Uh, is really important. I think the door is slightly open to this. And you asked about um, you know, some of the other physicians in my group earlier, and the ironic thing was that just Friday, um, the CEO of our, our our office actually came back and said, you know what, she looked at me and she said, four or five years ago, was kind of thinking maybe you were crazy with some of this stuff, but now that the mainstream media is bringing out all this about the NSA, maybe you're a prophet. <laughs> you know, so you know, and I guess it's like the Bible says: you're never a prophet in your own building. So, right, right. Do you uh, think that there is a spiritual component to this? Actually, you know, it's uh, funny you ask that too. Is when things were at their worst um, with my fiance and with myself, um, the educated physicians and people that I I tried to confide in were the least likely to believe it. My Christian friends um, who stood by me and wholeheartedly believed it 
were the best people to talk to because they have seen this as spiritual warfare for some time. As a, as a matter of fact, there's a uh, evangelist named Grant Jeffries who wrote a book um, called the, the Shadow Government. And he presents all the same technology, um, all the same victim, all the victims, everything that I've talked about on this radio show, he talks about from a spiritual warfare perspective mm-hmm. uh, and has some really good references in that book, too. And um, so, yeah, I think there is a spiritual component to it. And in California especially, because unfortunately there, uh, Satanism has taken a pretty strong political hold uh, and the occult. Mm-hmm. There and we we have noticed with some of the victims from California that there seems to be a, a strong satanic component to it there. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Hall, can you tell us a little bit about the International Center Against Abuse of Covert Technologies? Uh, yeah, that's uh, an organization that um, uh, after meeting Jesse Beltran, who was a victim uh, that came to see me uh, for a question and answer session in Austin, Texas. Um, um, I would let him tell his story or let people read about him on the site, but very educated individual, go-getter, um, became a victim unwittingly. Um, it worked for the city of Sacramento and, and saw some things that he uh, had to report on that he, I think he wished he has it, hadn't now. But um, very educated man, I took it upon himself to form ISAAC, uh, and has done some great strides with that, uh, has been working with some of the victims that uh, we've been getting from Europe, uh, from Japan. I mean, I, on my website, I've heard from heard victims of this technology from just about every country on the globe. Uh, every industrialized nation is using it. Um, Jesse has really made some great strides with uh, taking some of the scanning that I do uh, to the next stage, uh, working with a lot of victims, making sure they're scanned to rule out uh, RFID chips of any type, um, and working in conjunction uh, with the U.K. and, and other countries in Europe uh, to fight the same fight over there. And it's a great organization. And, Dr. Hall, what's the Mind Science Foundation that you're involved in? Mind Science Foundation has been around for a long time. It was uh, created by Tom Slick, who was the uh, founder of Southwest Research Institute here in San Antonio, um, and we try to stay just on the cutting edge as as much as we can with some of it classified, most of it not classified uh, research that's being done um, as far as consciousness and mind science. Um, and that's been real important. I mean, and you were talking about people that I can confide in and, and have on my side. Most of those people come from a, a myriad of research um, backgrounds, uh, some medical doctor, some PhD, some physicist, um, and was a um, is a real uh, source of knowledge for me to turn to when I was doing some of my early research for the first book, uh, and certainly for the book that's that's going to be coming out hopefully here in the next six months or so. Mm-hmm. You know, we hear about these uh, the push to the new digital televisions because they have cameras in them or cell phones that even went not when not in use or being used to monitor or pick up our conversations. Do you think there's any truth in this? Well, based on what the NSA just released and was forced to admit that they have of being able to use your camera on your cell phone and use your microphone on your cell phone when it's off, uh, I think the truth's there now. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it was conspiracy theory up until last week. Um, but uh, the NSA has, you know, pretty much had to admit to a lot of the things that uh, are, that they're able to do now, at least what's been leaked so far. Um, as usual, you know, Russell Tice was another NSA whistleblower. In 2009, he tried to you know, expose the same technology and was crucified in the press. Uh, luckily, Snowden, uh, the latest whistleblower, seems to be being treated a little more fairly by the press, although they, they've started a discreditation campaign on him as well. Mm-hmm. Well, before we close, is there anything else that you'd like to tell the listeners that I haven't asked you or that you haven't mentioned yet? Sure. Um, the best fight against this is through public awareness. Um, I would ask that uh, any of the people listening to this that are interested in learning more about it, um, either go to my website, go to Freedom from Covert Surveillance and Harassment. Um, one of the things we're doing for awareness right now, there's a, a movie being made on the book. We have a screenplay and an independent film being made. 
uh, and there's a victim that's actually uh, fashioning uh, awareness bracelets, uh, kind of like I don't know if you remember the pink bracelets that people were wearing for breast cancer awareness, mm-hmm. uh, a bracelet, and um, uh, his name is Ty Du. And for anybody that's interested in the awareness bracelets that we've got, um, his email address is Ty at S E H awareness.com and that stands for satellite electronic harassment awareness.com and you said you have another book coming out correct uh trying i've been working on this for a couple of years it's it's all technological it's not a story like the first book was um it's called guinea pigs technologies of control and uh it's taken about two years longer than suspected because it was um, censored and some of it redacted uh, due to some of the nature of the information i used in the book um, the fbi has specifically um, tried to delay the release of this book but i think we finally have it redacted and it's censored to where it's acceptable uh, to the government and the publisher to put out so Doctor, are you still experiencing any of this electronic harassment to this day? You know what? They've uh, miraculously left me alone uh, for the last few years. Um, As I stated, though, to you, I know who's doing it in our area, Mm -hmm. and I think it's more of a function of lack of manpower. And uh, I gave them such notoriety in San Antonio that they've been forced to kind of move out of San Antonio. And uh, at least from what emails I've gotten from victims, they're... Um, victimizing people in other cities in Texas other than San Antonio now. So, Okay, well, listeners, thanks so much for joining us today. Dr. Hall, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate that you took your time out of your day to talk to us and give us this important information. Listeners, join us next week for the True Seekers radio show. God bless. your kids are hit with a snack attack, save the day with Nutrition Pack Snacks to boost their energy and improve concentration. This is registered dietitian Amy Jamison Potonic. Fruits and vegetables make great and nutritious options. Try peeling a banana, dipping it in yogurt, then rolling in crushed whole grain cereal and freezing. Your kids will love a whole grain pita stuffed with ricotta cheese, apple slices, and a dash of cinnamon. This is registered dietitian Amy Jamison Potonic. Visit eatright.org for more healthy tips. Hi, I'm Mark Spitz. I've been swimming all my life. I've won gold medals, even broken world records, but that doesn't mean that I'll go boating without wearing my life jacket. This year, too many people will die from boating-related accidents, and more than 80% of the drowning victims aren't wearing a life jacket. Accidents happen fast on the water. Even the best swimmers in the world can end up in trouble. That's why the U.S. Coast Guard recommends that you always wear your life jacket. Remember, it can't save your life unless you wear it. This message brought to you by the National Safe Boating Council and the United States Coast Guard.